Now, for something completely different, here is your host, Brian Wilson. Well, ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls and people of all sexes, welcome to the Demanding Freedom or Else episode of The Two and Only, our weekly insertion of the investigative dipstick into the logic-free crankcase of the deep state engine following the constitutional performance of governance. Due to a diminishing number of requests, permit me to reintroduce our never-popular hosts, Brian Wilson, that's me, former radio and TV talk show sensation, intensely popular Substack writer, and your last living legend before the exit to the long-sought-after Dundalk laundromat and wastewater recycling plant. Joining me once again is international sensation, best-selling author, the notorious stun gun for the New York Post opinion page, recently terminated PR director for the Nikki Haley for President campaign, and the newly recruited spokesman for Gee, Your Beard Smells Terrific hair conditioner. Please welcome our still unindicted co-conspirator, James Bovard. Welcome, James. Brian, that's the first time anybody ever used a dipstick reference to me in a positive sense. Ah, well, um, let me note this down on the calendar then. I'll put it on our calendar of drinking holidays so next year we'll be able to revisit that moment. By the way, uh, before we get to, into the deep water, uh, I, uh, I got a message uh, from a movie director, a friend of mine out in Ohio. He had read uh, Last Rites and is interested in wait, making wait, wait. it a movie. Uh, there's a, there's a movie director in Ohio. Yeah, yeah, and he's really quite well known. He's uh, uh, I'm I'm trying to remember the he had an Academy Award nominated picture um, with an interesting title, and I can't remember it, so I'm not going to try and and get it out there for uh, for reference. Um, but it was it was interesting because it was such a contradiction, uh, a difference from other movies that he's made that have done uh, fairly well. It'd be great horror movies and, and things like that. So uh, anyway, he mentioned one alteration. Uh, he was interested in, uh, in the movie uh, in making Last Rites into a movie, and you should contact him at his earliest convenience. I'll email us. He did mention one alteration he had in the title. Instead of Last Rites, he wanted to change it to The Creature That Ate Washington and Then Threw Up. I figured he'd be okay with that as long as the check cleared instead of threw up maybe was blowing groceries or something well I'll, I'll mention it to him i mean for all i know it could squelch the deal but let me see what i can do but into the uh into the deep end of the pool here you recently pounded out this piece for the american conservative nikki haley authoritarian in waiting and i i had some impertinent questions uh first off is is this the article that cost you your pr gig with the campaign <laughs> uh which campaign the Haley uh, campaign, the Haley. For oh, the campaign. Haley campaign. Yeah. Yeah. You know, I haven't heard from the Haley campaign. Mm. So, you know, uh, I think chances of them liking my stuff are slim and none. Slim. It's sad to see what the choice has come down to. So, well, you know, you're um, you give the impression in the piece, uh, Nikki Haley is a staunch believer in freedom and free press as long as you don't piss her off. I was wondering what led you to that conclusion. Well, she said uh, she's had a lot of things that were kind of uh, kind of standard. Um, th there are a lot of conservatives in recent years who have been superb on free speech, who have spoken out for Julian Assange, who have spoken out against the um, the illegal surveillance scheme by FISA, uh, federal agencies, and other things, uh, and, and and are happy to tolerate fierce criticism by their political opponents. And then there are some other conservatives uh, who are just like waiting to find a pretext to uh, muzzle people who disagree with them. 
Nikki Haley's tried to sell herself as the reasonable, uh, moderate, pro-freedom alternative to Donald Trump. But for instance, back in November, the veil on her iron fist dropped, and she was prattling about how the government should force social media companies to have checked the identity of anyone who comments online. That it was a national security threat if people could uh, make anonymous comments on Twitter, Facebook, or elsewhere. And it's like, um, she doesn't have any trouble with federal secrecy, but I guess if anybody's going to keep a secret from the government, then the nation is destroyed. Uh, so I guess then that uh, if you were just talking about um, the high points of a particular beer or something along that order, then uh, you didn't really have to identify yourself. You could get away with that. But as long as you were going to take on some government program or a politician's statement, then you'd have to put name, rank, and serial up there to uh, Actually, your... actually, um, um, Haley did not offer a beer exemption for her <laughs> system of uh, regimentation. Instead, she said, that the uh, she demanded that social media companies quote verify every single person on their outlet, and I wanted by name, and you know she sounded like a um, sound like my fifth grade school teacher at the wrong time of the month. <laughs> well, I am. Um, it also suggests a rather intimate uh, relationship between uh, President Haley and pick Facebook X. Instagram, the uh, type of big tech things I thought we were trying to separate from government interference. Ah, I, uh, I think I missed something. Who was trying to separate that in Washington? You've got like three or four politicians, senators. Uh, you, you got Massey, you got Rand Paul, you got um, a few others. But I mean, um, there's been a lot of cheerleading for the de facto federal dominance of social media. And it's great the Supreme Court will be holding uh, uh, oral arguments in March on the case, on the landmark social media censorship case. But it's just sad to see, I mean, you know, flashback uh, three years to Biden's, the first weeks of the Biden administration, you had the Biden White House browbeating Facebook to suppress um, um, uh, humor that was making uh, jokes about the uh, COVID vaccines. Mm hmm well, like I say, I always try to give as much credit as possible to the minority, like a like a Rand Paul and uh, and and the efforts that they that they're making. I think he's eventually, uh, well, at least it appears, is he might be making some progress in pursuing a criminal pursuit, actually, of of Fauci uh, for his perjuries and so on, with respects to masks and elbow bumps and six foot separation and other things that he got out about about the whole COVID schmear but uh yeah that supreme court case should be uh should be interesting in its renderings not to mention whatever we can find out about the oral arguments and who says what about which but you have to give credit where credit is due jim and uh after all she did uh she did endorse ownership of gas stoves so i think that needs ah, to be ah, ah. you need yeah to. so there's yeah it, it's haley has been a very cautious candidate it's like she's afraid of offending almost anybody but uh, she made what I guess she felt was a strong statement earlier this week or last week. Biden was coming down to South Carolina and Haley tweeted, let me make something clear. We uh, we don't want you taking away our cars, our stoves, our dishwashers and our freedom. And it's kind of like, OK, but but it's OK to take away the guns. 
Yeah, I was going to say, but I should be. It slipped in a word or two about Winchester, Remington, Glock, Sig, AR-15s, <laughs> AR-15s. I mean, I'm just, you know, I'm just so disappointed that Haley hasn't uh, been photographed uh, holding up an AR-15. Well, the campaign is young, and uh, the campaign is young. No, actually, I think it's in its final weeks, but you know, we'll see. I've been wrong before. Well, I was talking about the campaign in general. I wasn't talking about the oh, yeah, true, true. The, uh, that's, that's true about sure. the presidential campaign. I, there you yes. go. But you also wrote um, in October, in late October, she declared during a television interview, quote, there should be freedom of speech, but you don't get freedom of hate, unquote. And this kind of opens the door to the not all rights are absolute debate. Uh, first saying there should be freedom of speech suggests that there isn't that whole quote. There should be freedom of speech. So I, I get the sense that Maybe she has the doubt that that actually exists. But nevertheless, uh, if there ever is such a quaint notion, it certainly can't be synonymous with freedom of hate. But hate, as I understand it, is pretty subjective. So how is that supposed to work, do you guess? Basically, this is the um, the uh, camel's nose in the tent. Is that the old metaphor? Yeah. Um, that, the, um, that, the, that the government would say, okay, I mean, the, the, uh, the sentence from Haley is striking because there should be freedom of speech, but, you know, this is like, you know, uh, people should not kill, but. Uh, I believe in the Second Amendment, but. But, yeah, uh, uh, people should not shoplift at Target, but. But. Uh, you know, and it's like, it's just like, oh, the Pandora box popped open with the word but. Yeah. And this whole notion, I mean, a, a number of Democrats have said that there's, the government's got to suppress hate speech. I actually wrote about that in uh, Feeling Your Pain 24 years ago when the Clinton administration was trying to push that card. But no, I mean, you know, freedom of speech means freedom to be an asshole. And I've been writing for many years. There's a lot of people who have hated what I write. And, uh, you know, um, it's their right as an American to call me a son of a bitch. And it's like, you know, I've survived. Uh, so... If you're writing about politics, you need to be um, maybe not comfortable, but you have to be willing to accept the uh, rough and tumble. And, yeah, be prepared. Uh, yeah, and that's something which means, which includes often if you get uh, visible or you get spur controversy, there's going to be a lot of cheap shots and, and, and you're going to be vilified. And there's going to be people who say that they like to see you dead. Okay, so you buy more ammo, all right? You know, but you don't be calling the government to shut down your critics. Yeah, I think it was uh, L. Neil Smith, uh, the late L. Neil Smith, uh, sad to say, who uh, who made the observation that uh, anytime someone says but in a statement like, I'm in favor of the Second Amendment, but anything they say before but is bullshit. Yeah, I mean, and it's just, it has, it's so odious. I mean, I'm, I'm trying not to get too crude here, but there's just so many different ways that the uh, that the politicians entitled themselves to trample Americans' freedom, and this whole notion that politicians have to protect us from hate, this is um, uh, it's it. Uh, there were some very clear statements in the uh, in the Parliament in Ireland. Uh, there was a, a bill to suppress freedom of speech uh, to uh, to criminalize any comments that made transgender people uncomfortable, and it was it was portrayed as uh, you know as making the nation more civilized. But if you end up turning tens of thousands of government officials into iron-fisted censors, this is, this is the worst-case scenario. Because the one thing that's certain is 
you won't hear about the bad things the government does once censorship starts. Real. Well, and that would go back to what you said about the camel's nose in the tent when you're referring to government. Maybe it's not that particular part of the anatomy that's getting in the tent when the government's involved. They, uh, yeah, so. well, that's, yeah, that's a, uh, oh, what was that line from the movie Deliverance? Uh, failure to communicate. <laughs> yes, thank you. That's it. That's it. <laughs> we have, yeah, what we have here is a failure to communicate. But of course, it's difficult to get around any of these discussions without focusing on the fact that these the emotive code word is always subjective, and it usually comes after the but. I've often wondered how they, well, it doesn't require any wondering. They always demonstrate the fact that they can't go into detail because the detail is going to be too odious for anyone to actually accept when yeah. it comes to uh, censorship and, and so on. But um, it would be uh, it would be interesting. Hopefully, we will not find out. Uh, how uh, how Miss Haley would or President Haley would actually administer something like that? But it would be a great discussion if I ever get that uh, interview request answered. I'll happen to put that on the top of the list. In your piece, you go on to state that um, uh, Nikki Haley has a penchant for government solutions to local problems like school shootings, HPV jazz for teenage girls, uh, things along that order. So if, uh, it would appear that uh, her love affair with big government. Uh, may also be due to her kaleidoscope view of American history. Oh, yeah. So I had some fun with that. So there's, um, Haley's, uh, uh is running, and she's basically uh, pushing the image that she's, she's a lot more savvy and better informed than Donald Trump, who's the front runner in the Republicans. But you flip back three years, almost three years, President's Day 2021, and uh, Nikki Haley whooped on Twitter, that George Washington turned an army of ragtag ragtag troops into an unstoppable force that defeated the British, and I'm just thinking, okay, so uh, she, you know, she was governor of South Carolina, and I mean, she's um, she's apparently unfamiliar with the uh, battles that the uh, that the American uh, forces fought against the British there, aside from the Battle of Cowpens which was uh, Daniel Morgan, a guy from Virginia who was in command, a great victory. You know, the American forces got beaten again and again. There was, I think it was General uh, Nathaniel Green who said, we fight, we uh, we fight, we get beat, we rise and fight again. And that was his summary of the, uh, the campaign, um, getting beaten again and again as they fought across North Carolina but uh, he was able to get the American army across the river into Virginia before the uh, British could, and thereby completely screwed up the stra strategy, which eventually led them to uh, Yorktown. But, uh, I mean, there was uh, the uh, the whole idea that, that uh, George Washington had an army that was, uh, you know, invincible was like, you know, uh, <laughs> which history books have you been reading? Because uh george washington was a great leader i mean as far as military commander he was you know he's good enough not to get not to lose the war so yeah thank well, god for the french but, yeah well i think that's the line in the uh from the movie the patriot there's thank god for the french and the french finally made it to uh to the harbor to take a there in yorktown but the uh uh but i, I you know i get the sense that a lot of presidents uh that uh that we've had uh, are not tremendously schooled on uh, on american history uh, i think even even biden not that he would be an exception on anything but in the recent speech he gave in valley forge 
It was almost oh. as if he was uh, taking parts of Back to the Future and <laughs> in the wrong years at the wrong time. Uh, well, it was, yeah, it was the, his, uh, uh, his speech was an unfor unfortunate mix of Back to the Future and muddled references to Mein Kampf. Yeah, there you go. And, 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 and let me be clear, he was not endorsing Mein Kampf, but he was, uh, he was saying that uh, Trump was the equivalent of Hitler. And, uh, it, it seemed too early in the campaign for that. Well, as you also mentioned in your piece, uh, freedom, quote unquote, is a license to blather. And I suspect that that's not something that uh, is unique to, uh, to Ms. Haley. Uh, another quote I picked up on was, uh, as the government has intruded further into citizens' lives, freedom has faded as a supreme value for voters. Decades of politicians bidding for votes with promises of new government handouts has eroded many citizens' comprehension of the danger of unleashing their rulers, unquote. And I come to think of it, um, when I read that, I was having a problem, still having a problem, recalling any candidate, Republican or Democrat, speaking of freedom instead of freebies. Does your research advise me to the contrary, sir? <laughs> if you're talking major party candidates, you know, um, you know, it's the um, the chances of finding such a candidate are slim and none and slim just left town. Yeah. Um, so no, it's it, I was I was trying to find a way to put this article, put this subject in context. Of the, the thanks for quoting those lines. It's from the, near the end of the article. I'm very frustrated to see how how all the uh, major party candidates don't seem to care that much about freedom. I think Trump would at least try to stop. At least says he tried at least the deep state, the FBI. I don't, you know, he didn't do so well last time. Uh, so, and, uh, but, but Haley is just, Haley is, is, is an enthusiast for government power as is Biden. Um, Biden's been, you know, unleashing the government for 50 years. So I'm old enough to think back to night, late 1970s, 1980, uh, when Ronald Reagan was hammering the theme of freedom and it was resonating with people and the news media was vilifying Reagan supporters and Reagan as a, as a bunch of dangerous know-nothings uh, or a bunch of reactionaries because they were talking about this individual freedom. Uh, Reagan did win that election, and he did make some efforts to uh, you know get the burden of government lighter on uh, American people with the tax cuts, with some of the um, curbing some of the government regulation. He, did, he had a lot of bad policies like his war on drugs that made a lot of things a whole lot worse. Mm. Uh, so, but um, I think he was sincere. Um, you know, but that's going back almost, uh, going back over 40 years. I just, and so Ryan, what's your sense? Uh, how many Americans still give a damn about freedom? Well, I think that if there was an opportunity to discuss it, you know, in its purest and most pragmatic form, I think there'd be an awful lot of people that would be really excited about it, but it just takes a lot of information. As I always said, you know, you, to get to the truth, you've got to go through all these potholes and barbed wire and, and so on in order to, in order to get to the point. And each point has its own learning curve. That's pretty steep because the biggest pothole is ignorance. And whether it comes from being a product of public school 
or just apathy towards current events and, and that type of thing. I, it's whatever it is, it's there and it's tough. It's tough to get beyond it because even when dealing with ignorance, after ignorance comes prejudice, the prejudice that was that was born out of the ignorance. So you got a, a two-fisted thing going. It's not that they're enemies of freedom. They've just been brainwashed into something that makes it difficult to explain what it would be like if freedom actually broke out, you know, in America. But instead, that's why I asked about the freedom instead of freebies. If we can promise free this, free that, good this, good that, even to the point of the freebies of getting back at the enemies and, and throwing this guy in jail and all the rest of that, that resonates more than the idea of freedom to own yourself, govern yourself, and to be left alone and uh, treat other people in the same fashion. So I, I think it's a tough sell, but you know, I'm uh, I'm still I'm still trying. You're still trying. There's a few people out there still beating the drum for it, and I, I don't know that it's ever going to make the point. But at least it feels good when it's all over that you made a shot. So that's uh, yeah. Well, it's it's important to make the effort even if we uh, fail. But uh, yeah. it's there's a question of of the currency, the uh, currency of values and the currency of political values uh, tacitly in people's minds. It just doesn't seem like it's there nearly as much as it used to be. It's actually a flashback. Thirty years ago, when I wrote Lost Rights, I was. It was. Uh, I hope to suffice to document how the government was violating people's rights. Nowadays, I, it uh, it feels as if I need to explain why people should value their own freedom, and that was something which I think was instinctive for a lot of Americans for generations. And I don't know if the current generation still has that. There was that survey that said like 30% of the uh, people around under the age of 30 would support government uh, surveillance cameras inside their own homes to uh, prevent domestic violence. And if someone is at, <laughs> I, I mean, uh, triage, this person is lost, okay? This person is just lost forever. If you want to do that, if you're that boneheaded, it's like, okay. And not only that, but if you're willing to do that, then you're probably not going to be uh, doing any beating up of people in front of the cameras. So it's totally pointless. Well, there is that. I'm, uh, maybe I'm a cockeyed optimist, but I do believe that the people like that are just people who haven't heard any any contrarian information. They, uh, I would like to, at least I like to think that. Oh, that they, uh, oh, that's oh where, uh, uh, Brian, it's good you're it's good you no longer live in the Washington D.C. area. <laughs> well, that's true for any number of reasons. Listen. Um, we only got a few minutes left, and I wanted to, we can do this next time, but I wanted you to get into a plug for that Defend the Guard movement that you also wrote about that's up on your website. Yeah, I, I did a piece. Uh, I, um, I I submitted a testimony to the Maryland legislature. There is a bill that's called Defend the Guard that would prohibit the uh, sending the Maryland National Guard abroad for foreign conflicts unless Congress made a declaration of war. The same type of bills are propagating around the nation. There is a major movement on this. It's a great first step to putting a leash on uh, the, the president, being able to throw, take Americans and you know, treat them as cannon fodder abroad. Um, so, um, yeah, thanks for uh, mentioning that. Well, we'll put a uh, link up there to the uh, to the piece because it's um, it's it's one of the good things that's uh, actually fomenting out there. Uh, once again, though, the uh, two and only have come to its premature conclusion right on time. Before the uh, Bovard Memorial Curtain of Mercy comes crashing down, this would be a good time to order your personal copy of Jim's latest, Last Rice, The Death of American Liberty. And uh, 
it wouldn't be bad to get lost rights too. And you can do a compare and contrast. It's a little depressing, but on the other hand, there may be some enthusiasm there for making an effort before the summer reading season comes and goes, which is coming up upon us. Amazon is standing by. And uh, while you're exercising your electronic rodent, pay a cyber click to Brian Wilson Rice at Substack.com for your free subscription and other staggering, insightful analytics and soft political porn. Members of today's studio audience will receive a complimentary roll of Corsetina wire or your home version suitable for personal defense against Girl Scout cookie sales. It works, trust me. For James Bovard, Brian Wilson reminding you it's never too late to give up procrastination. We'll see you next week.